This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is brought to you by Dad's Favorites. Dad's Favorites cheese spreads offer a wide variety of distinct flavors unlike anything you've ever tasted. Dad's spreads are made using only the finest ingredients, creating a unique flavor your taste buds will love. Dad's Favorites has a loyal following and used as a spread or in recipes. Dad's customers always come back for more. You can pick up their product at groceries, shops, liquor stores, at farmers markets, or at their shop and in Dad's Deli in Gardenside. Hit that ish. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> How do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome into the 39th episode of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. I've been off for a couple weeks, school has been kicking my ass, Um, had a lot of things going on, but super excited to get back in the studio and record and get you a podcast. Like I said, this is the 39th episode of Carson Sack, so happy to be here, excited to be here, ready to get a plethora of topics and balls talked about. We have the NBA season starting that I'm going to just talk about a little bit this episode, and then I'm going to have one of my buddies that knows a lot more about the NBA than me, but I do still know a good amount about it, but next week I'm going to dive really deep into stuff like that. Um, Newsflash, the Warriors are going to win the NBA Finals and 3P. There you go. I'm going to talk about college football a lot has been going on with that. And then the NFL, things are starting to take shape for the college football playoff. And teams in the NFL are starting to be determined if they're real or pretenders. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the MLB, the playoffs are in full swing. It's uh, The championship series are going on right now. The Red Sox won tonight making sure that there's going to be games back in Fenway. So a lot to talk about there. So let's just get things going right away. I'm going to jump right in with college football talk for week eight of the college football season right here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. There is a plethora of big matchups, but just going to start right out at the top of the list. Ohio State is going to Purdue. Purdue 3-3 three and three on the year. Um... A better team than what the record indicates. I will tell you that about the Boilermakers. And Rondell Moore, freshman from Trinity High School in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, did transfer in from New Albany, Indiana, though. Just want to throw that out there. Um, One of the best playmakers in all of college football. And not a lot of people have probably heard of him just because he is at Purdue. They are 3-3. You don't necessarily think of big, explosive playmakers that come out of Purdue, but Rondell Moore is one of them, and he poses a very big threat to the Ohio State defense this coming weekend. Playing at Purdue has always been a bit of an iffy thing for Ohio State. It's a 7.30 p.m. game. It's on ABC, so it's a night game for the Boilermakers. Not 
normally known as a big uh, powerhouse uh, fan, student section, anything like that, but crazy things happen with the Buckeyes when they go to Purdue. Uh, Terrell Pryor, one of the years he was there, they lost there, and they were on their way to a national championship if it wasn't for that game, uh, being in contention. I'm not saying they were going to win it, but they were definitely in contention to go in the BCS era to the national championship game. They lose to Purdue, and that really just derailed that entire season and that whole chance of them making the national championship game. Uh, other big news for Ohio State, Nick Bosa has declared that he is withdrawing from Ohio State. He's not coming back. He's going to focus on getting ready for the NFL draft. Most people have him a uh, consensus top three pick. Some people have him as the number one overall pick. Um, to be selfish as an Ohio State fan, yes, I wish he did come back. As somebody that understands that this Kid is about to make a insane, life-changing amount of money in about nine months, and he's doing that to protect himself because with the core injury and the stomach injury, a lot can go wrong, and you should not want to jeopardize that money and all that for your future. I understand it. Um, it would be selfish of me to not encourage him and in, be supportive of him. So, again, I understand why you did it, Nick. Uh, selfishly, I wish you didn't, but uh, Chase Young has been playing out of his mind since uh, Nick Bosa went down. There have been some other injuries on the defensive line for Ohio State that is a little concerning. I don't think that's a big issue this week. I think our secondary and, more importantly, the linebackers in coverage are what Rondell Moore, um, Jeff Brom, and Purdue is going to try and uh, exploit. I do think Purdue puts up some points in this game. Uh, do not fear or anything like that, Ohio State fans. I think Ohio State gets the job done. It might be close for about a half, but then they just pull away. What has been, it's not concerning for me, but what people like to make a big deal about so far with Ohio State this year is a lack of running game. And um, what's Urban has tried to stress a lot is, a lack of a running quarterback. And Dwayne Haskins is no means a Braxton Miller, a JT Barrett. Uh, I would sort of say Cardell Jones is a better running quarterback than Dwayne Haskins right now, but Dwayne is a better passer than all of them. And what I think they could do to remedy that is you have Tate Martell. You can bring him in um, on third and shorts is when it's really shown that the lack of quarterback run has been a bit of an issue. And then, I mean, third and short, you sort of know that, yeah, they are going to run the ball. So why not even just, when you bring in Tate Martell, you're sort of more confirming that. But um, it's been touted that Ohio State has this huge um, offensive line size-wise. They need to start imposing their will and showing that they are dominant and they're not just big bodies. Uh, they have two very capable, above-capable, exceptional running backs in Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins. I just don't understand why the ground game isn't producing as it should right now. It hasn't bit Ohio State in the ass just yet. That game could be coming up. It could be this weekend. Um, I'm looking more down the line to maybe at Michigan State. That could be an issue. But fix that and just get it. I mean, as Ohio State fans and 
you would expect Ohio State because that's what they've kind of been built on is the running game for so long. You just expect them to have that and be there, but they it hasn't been what it should be. I will say that this entire year, but with the way Dwayne Haskins is playing, it's kind of hard to complain, but defensive side of the ball is going to be tested this weekend a lot, but like I said, Purdue's going to score. Don't worry, Ohio State, close for the first half, but the Buckeyes do pull out a win. Now we talk about Kentucky, 14th in the country in the AP poll, welcoming Vanderbilt after Vandy had a hard-fought home loss to Florida last weekend. Kentucky coming off their bye week, 5-1 um, and one on the year, their only loss at Texas A&M in a game that went to overtime and the Cats easily could have won. I like the Cats in this one, but what is a little concerning to me, and after the loss to Texas A&M, I said this, and I still kind of think this way, um, Vandy is not a team that we have blown out or really like handled as we should. They always sort of play us close um, because Vanderbilt is a very good defensive team. And I think that if Kentucky wins this week, you as a Kentucky fan, you just need to be happy. Don't come out expecting them to blow out Vanderbilt because they just haven't in the past. And I know this team isn't like teams in the past, and they have the ground game and Terry Wilson, and they have Benny Snell and all the Cash Daniels, all these other guys on the team that are making plays, but... I don't foresee the line right now is 11 for Kentucky. I don't think it's going to be surprising to see them cover that, but don't expect a 17 or 20 plus point victory. That's just not the way Vanderbilt and Kentucky plays. It's just like it's not. And I was saying after the Texas A&M game that with two weeks to think about it, that Kentucky fans are going to be expecting a blowout statement win from Kentucky in this game, and I just don't foresee that happening. I do think Kentucky wins, but I just don't foresee them being a blowout statement win like Cats fans are calling for. And how ridiculous is it to think that if Kentucky handles business against Vanderbilt and then at Missouri next week, they literally get to play for the SEC championship, the SEC East against Georgia to see who goes to the SEC championship game. That's ridiculous. If you would have told me that would have been a case at any point in my four years here while I was a student, I would have laughed in your face and told you you were insane and to pass me whatever you were smoking on because that is un fathomable to me. But that is the position Kentucky finds themselves in. But can't look too far ahead. Take care of Vanderbilt this weekend, which I think they do, and they improve the record to 6-1. and one. Next, we move on to a big, big 10 matchup, a huge rivalry game, a rivalry as old as time. We have the 6th-ranked Michigan Wolverines going to the 24th-ranked Michigan State Spartans. I am going to give this to Michigan. In a close game, but I think Shea Patterson has grown and developed so much since the Notre Dame game and has got a grasp on the offense. And I think Higdon, the running back for Michigan, is playing some 
amazing football that is going extremely unnoticed. He got... He finally got some eyes on him this past Saturday when Michigan played Wisconsin um, on primetime in oh, well in primetime on ABC. But I think it's a close game, but I just think Michigan and Che Patterson is too much to handle. And the Wolverines end up coming out of East Lansing with a win. Another game that earlier on in the year did look like it was going to be a big game. Uh, it still is a big game, but spread-wise, closer than what the records indicate. You have the ninth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners going to TCU, who's 3-3. Three and three. The only loss for Oklahoma, um, Texas in the Red River rivalry. I like Oklahoma in this one. I don't think it's close either. TCU has been very sluggish, downhill. They held um Texas Tech last week to 17 points and they still lost. I don't that's just, I don't know how that's possible. If you hold Texas Tech to 17, there's no way you should not win that game. I think after the Ohio State game, everything has been downhill for TCU and I think Kyler Murray for Oklahoma goes off in this game and sort of repositions himself in the Heisman conversation and I get that Oklahoma did lose to Texas but Texas isn't terrible. So Oklahoma now ninth in the country, sort of not in playoff talks right now, but do not count out the Sooners at all. Then this isn't a really big matchup, but it's just a game with a uh, prominent St. X alum that I want to give a shout out to. Desmond Ritter and the 6-0, 20th ranked Cincinnati Bearcats go to Temple. Um, Desmond Ritter has been playing um, exceptional, exceptionally well this year. Has 1,062 yards through the air, 10 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions, which is huge. He's not turning the ball over. He's putting up points, making good decisions, not making mistakes. So shout out to Desmond Ritter and the entire Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, expect you all get a W this weekend against Temple and run your record to 7-0. and Alabama goes to Tennessee, whoop-de-doo, Alabama will probably win that one. Um, Colorado and Washington face off um, at 3.30 on Fox. Washington is a 16.5-point favorite. I think it's going to be a lot closer. People, I think, are going to expect Washington to come out after their loss last week to Oregon and beat up on Colorado. Colorado isn't a terrible team by any means. Uh, Montez, the quarterback for Colorado, has 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. So he's putting in um, a lot of good games, not turning the ball over, making smart decisions. And then uh, Chenault Jr. at I must apologize if I misspoke and said your name wrong, but the receiver for Colorado, number two, Chenault Jr., 60 receptions, 780 yards, and six touchdowns so far for the young man out of Colorado. A big play receiver, um, obviously the number one target there, already with 60 receptions. Um, I definitely think he is going to have a big game, and I think Colorado keeps it closer than what the spread is going to indicate, but I do think Washington comes out on top in that one. And then now a huge ACC matchup, 
that Clemson is supposed to win, running away with apparently 89.3% according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Um, North North Carolina State, 16th in the country, 5-0, going up against the 6-0 Clemson Tigers, who are third in the country. The game's at Clemson. Kelly Bryant is gone. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has come in and played Pretty good for a freshman. 11 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, uh, 868 yards. Fairly good. Um, Atini, I know I probably said that wrong again. I apologize. But the running back for Clemson, uh, 11 touchdowns on the year. So balling out as well. And that defensive line for Clemson has been good as advertised all year. I think Clemson, this is probably one of their bigger games in the of the entire year. They don't have to blow North Carolina State out by any means. I think North Carolina State comes in and keeps it close for about three and a half quarters, and then the fourth quarter, uh, Clemson just pulls away. Maybe their defensive line gets a sack fumble, um, interception, or something like that that really just ignites the whole crowd and the whole team, and they pull away. I like Clemson in this one in a close game for three and a half quarters, and then them to win by, let's say, 13 points. All right, these last two big games that I want to touch on, I'm going to do kind of quickly. You have Mississippi State, 22nd in the country, going to fifth-ranked LSU off their huge win against Georgia. The only way I think Mississippi State wins this is if Nick Fitzgerald goes off, and I just don't think the way that LSU's defense is playing and it being at LSU, that is going to happen. Uh, Joe Burrow has come down to the bayou and been – Extremely exceptional for um, LSU. His numbers, only six touchdowns, but only two interceptions as well. Has been a threat on the ground as well. Made good decisions. You could say one of the better quarterbacks in LSU recent history. Uh, Borsett for LSU has nine touchdowns on the year so they're clearly attacking well and opening up throwing lanes for Burrow when he has to make big plays through the air which he's more than capable of doing and has shown so I like LSU in this one I don't this isn't another game I plan on talking about but I just want to say shout out to the college football playoff rankings for giving UCF enough respect to put them in the top 10 this year which they did not do last year um, 10th in the country, UCF plays ECU this weekend. Um, I, UCF, I definitely was going to win, but still just wanted to let them know about that. Um, but the other big game, the last one that I want to talk about is Oregon 12th in the country coming off a big win against Washington playing Washington state. I like Washington state in this one. I think just the way that uh, Minishu, the quarterback for Washington State, uh, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions has been playing. I just think that this is going to be a shootout, and I think being at Washington State is really going to help, and they just find a way to pull it out, and the Cougars get a big win in the Pac-12 and position themselves right there to be in the Pac-12 championship conversation. Now that we have wrapped up, college football we can talk about NFL but first 
need to talk to you all about Lee's famous recipe chicken and Lee's catering. At Lee's, nothing makes them happier. Whether you're hosting a party, business function, or wedding, or you're tailgating before a big game, Lee's Catering has you covered. Their famous combination of delicious food and superior service makes Lee's the perfect partner for any event, big or small. With pickup, delivery, and full service options that include table service and needed utensils, they can cater to any of your needs. That means you can spend less time worrying about the food and more time enjoying it. Contact your local Lee's location for more information. Pickup is available at all location and delivery varies by location. Now, as I said, we move on to the NFL and the Thursday night game this week, October 18th, 8.20 p.m. on Fox is the 2-4 Broncos at the 1-5 Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. All right. Von Miller has already come out and said they are going to beat the shit out of the Cardinals. They are going to play physical and play hard and get a much-needed win. I do think they end up doing that, but what is a little concerning is Case Keenum is the only quarterback to throw an interception in every game this year, so that whole experiment with the Broncos and John Elway bringing in Keenum, who has been nothing more than a average game-managing quarterback, is not working out, and another big issue is that defense, that for years was one of the best in the NFL, has been nowhere near as good as it should be. So you take a okay quarterback, mix in a defense that should be good and make your quarterback be good enough as just a game manager and win games, but it's not the case. It's just not going to work out. Josh Rosen has been playing for the Cardinals recently. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's going to have a good career, but he's just going to have to take his lumps. I think he's going to meet Von Miller um, maybe once or twice in this game, a.k.a. Von Miller's going to get at least one or two sacks. I do like the Broncos in this one. The Cardinals, I don't think they're totally terrible. That defense is very good, one of the top scoring defenses in the NFL, but um, just not a lot going for them this year so far, so... Like I said, Broncos get the win on Thursday night in this one. Moving on to the next game on Sunday slate, October 21st. The Browns go to the Buccaneers. Are the Browns good? Are they bad? What are they? I have no idea. I really don't. Um, Baker Mayfield has come in and not played god-awful. Um, does have more interceptions than touchdowns, but has a 1,000 yards. Carlos Hyde has been a huge bright spot for the team. Uh, five touchdowns. Jarvis Landry started off extremely hot for them, but has cooled down. Only had two receptions last week, but is getting a ton of targets. Um, they do not have many receivers past Jarvis Landry and David Njoku at, Njoku at tight end, who struggles with drops sometimes. Antonio Callaway has been um, very inconsistent. Rashard Higgins, who is a very nice complimentary wide receiver to Jarvis Landry, he's out for a while. Um, Fitzpatrick has been the Buccaneers guy, um, still the leader for them in statistics. 
Um, they do not have a running game at all. I like the Browns in this one, and I think Baker has a very big game. I still think he does have his rookie mistakes at times, but I think that they might lean on Carlos Hyde a little bit this week. Um, near the end of the game, they can run out the clock, and I like the Browns in this one to get the win against the Buccaneers. Now we move on to a sneakily big game for both of these teams. The Titans 3-3 three and three on the year sitting at 500 going up against the Chargers who just had a big win against the Browns last week. I like the Titans a lot in this game. Everybody's high on the Chargers. Um, they are a good team. I will not fault them on that. Melvin Gordon has been having a phenomenal year extremely under the radar year uh six touchdowns 466 yards um sort of overshadowed out in la by todd Gurley, but melvin gordon still having a good year philip rivers again still having a good year marcus Mariota though on the other side for the titans two touchdowns four interceptions derrick henry has not done anything on the ground for them uh, Corey Davis, only one receiving touchdown, uh, 385 yards and 27 receptions for them. But their defense has been fairly good under uh, Coach Rabel, the new head coach there. I like the Titans in this one. I just have a feeling. I don't really know why. It's a 9.30 a.m. game. Um, so you got that to look forward to. The Chargers are going out there and doing that, but I just like the Titans in this one. I Besides me saying I have a feeling I have no statistics or anything to back it up, but uh, tighten up this Sunday because they're going to get the win against the Chargers. What I think is going to be a probably the matchup and game of the weekend and a huge NFC game is the Panthers going to the Eagles. I like the Panthers in this one. I just think that their offense has been playing above average, and their defense, after they lost Josh Norman, they struggled for that next year in their secondary, struggling, um, not being what it should have been. But now, uh, Ron Rivera has coached up the secondary, along with Luke Keekley and the rest of that defense. They're back to playing some of the best defensive uh, football in the NFL. McCaffrey has yet to score rushing the ball. I think that changes this week. The running game for the Eagles is still up in the air. Uh, Smallwood, uh, Corey Clement, Clemens, I apologize on the name there. Um, interesting to see how they're going to work that out. They did all right against the Giants, but it's the fucking Giants. They're terrible. Uh, Carson Wentz, people were calling for his head a couple weeks ago. They wanted Nick Foles, all this. He responded well against the Giants, but again, it's the fucking Giants. Anybody could sort of go out there and do well. I like for the Panthers to win this one in a very close, good game. I expect Cam to have a good, big game as well, but Panthers win this one on Sunday against the Eagles. I'm not going to sit here and break down every NFL game. I mean, I'm going to talk about them, but I'm not going to go in-depth, so I'm just going to go through a couple quick ones right here. The Vikings and the Jets. Are the Jets somehow good, actually? They're 3-3 three three on the year. Todd Bowles is coaching that team very well. Sam Darnold isn't totally incompetent. Nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1,300 yards on the year. Um, 
Dalvin Cook out in this one. Possibly he was supposed to play last week, didn't. Uh, Latavius Murray has stepped in and been all right for him. I like the Vikings in this one, but a close game. Uh, the Bills and the Colts. I like the Colts in this one. Uh, Nathan Peterman in for the Bills at quarterback, and that's just, we know how that's going to fucking go. Um, the Saints and the Ravens, that's going to be a huge, huge matchup, but I think the Saints getting Mark Ingram back and being able to run the ball more is only going to help Drew Brees and the rest of that offense and make Sean Payton as a play caller even more dangerous. Not saying Alvin Kamara isn't good on the ground. He certainly is. But Mark Ingram adds a whole new running style, downhill, north to south um, type of ball carrier for Sean Payton in that entire offense, which takes pressure off of Drew Brees, as well as Alvin Kamara, making him more dangerous in the passing game. The Saints defense can figure some things out. Um, the Saints are an extremely dangerous team, and I think they get the win in this one. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle playing in the cold, though, up in Baltimore. The Rams go to the 49ers. The 49ers are not – they're a good, bad team, if that makes sense. They put up points. Um, they throw the ball all around the field. They're a good, bad team, but the Rams are a great, great team. Um, The only undefeated team left in the NFL. I like the Rams in this one. The Monday night game is the Giants at the Falcons. I can't believe I picked the Giants to win the NFC East. I am a moron. But, no, I'm not going to talk myself into it. I can't. The Falcons get a much-needed win Monday night. I am so sick and tired, though. I am going to go into a little bit on this because it's absolute bullshit to me. I am so sick and tired of hearing people criticize Odell Beckham Jr. for voicing his displeasure, for showing passion on the sidelines, headbutt as many things as you want, cause as big as a scene as you want, because in the NFL... Yes, he just got paid. I get that. But in the NFL, the average career span is three years. Obviously, Odell is such a talented guy that, bar an injury, no, that's probably not going to be the case for him. But he has wasted the last two. I mean, he did. He was hurt last year, so we'll call that a wasted year. But this year, it has been totally wasted, his talent, because Eli Manning, and it's not all Eli's fault. I It is some of the offensive line's fault as well, but Eli Manning is getting the ball and just immediately looking to the flat and dropping it off to the running back or the tight end or somebody just running a three or four yard route and hoping that he can, whoever catches the ball can make a play. And it's not all Eli Manning's fault. And I love Eli Manning as a quarterback, as a person, everything. I think he's a great NFL quarterback. Uh, does not get enough respect he deserves all time. Everything like that. Super Bowl MVP, everything. But it's not all his fault. But gosh, it's so frustrating to watch. And it has to be, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for Odell to be there and know you have all this talent and everything. And they do have offensive talent. They do have Odell. They do have Sterling Shepard. They do have Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram when he's healthy. These playmakers and good young talent they're ready to be utilized and it's just not working because the O-line isn't there and then in turn Eli has to make all these quick decisions and short throws and everything and it's just not working everyone that goes after Odell for voicing his opinion and criticizing F off I 
I'm sick of it. You call other players that show all this passion and everything passionate competitors. That's Odell. And I think it's bullshit that you call somebody this and somebody that. And I don't know what the difference is because they're doing the exact same thing. But after that tangent, we get back to the point. I think the Falcons win this game on Monday night against the Giants. The next game I do actually want to look a little bit more into is the Texans at the Jaguars. This is a game where huge implication for the AFC South later on down the line, and it's only week seven. It's ridiculous that we're almost halfway through the NFL season. I slow down. They grow up so fast, don't they, parents? But I like the Jaguars in this one. They were destroyed by a eh, offense in the Cowboys last week. Jalen Ramsey had no comments really after the game. Um, hasn't really done much talking so far, even though it is only Wednesday. Um, for DeAndre Hopkins and the rest of that team, it's going to be a hell of a quarterback, cornerback, wide receiver matchup between Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey. I think Hopkins gets him at least once for a touchdown, but I think he'll be able to hold him in check. Hopkins is remarkably one of the best receivers in the league with I mean, Deshaun has been there for about a half a season. And uh, before that, though, Hopkins has been one of the best receivers in the league with shitty quarterbacks. And he's come out and publicly said it that if you look at who has been his quarterback, not a lot of guys are going to be able to put up the numbers he has. And I totally agree with. And I don't think he gets brought up enough in the discussion of best receiver in the NFL. But... I like the Jaguars in this one. I think Blake Bortles, Bortles, for some reason, I don't understand why, when he runs the ball more than usual, the Jaguars win. So that's what they need to do. Just let him do that. Let him run the ball a little bit more. Roll out a little bit. Get Run four verticals. Draw everybody about 40, 50 yard downfield. And you can take off. Run for about... 15, 25 yards and slide on down and call it good. And I don't understand why um, that's the case that they normally win games when he runs for a lot of yards because he's not an elite runner. Um, If Leonard Fournette was in this game, I would definitely give it to the Jaguars. He has some potential to come back this week. Um, His hamstring has been questionable. Uh, Heard it in the first week, sat out two weeks, came back. Heard in that game has been out for two weeks so far, and they said they wanted to bring him back uh, in about the same time, so maybe he's back this week. Um, Either way, if he's not, I like the Jaguars in this one. Um, A big game in the NFC East. You have the Cowboys, 3-3, going to Washington, 3-2. I like the Cowboys in this one. I think the confidence that they got from last week, being able to put up all those points and everything, is going to continue to roll into this week. And I think Ezekiel Elliott has a big, big game. And the Cowboys are atop of the NFC East after this week, which is incredible for me to say, but they are. Because they're going to beat the Redskins this weekend. Last two games we're going to look at, we're going to kind of touch on a little bit briefly. We have the Patriots going to the Bears. The Patriots coming off a big, 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 big win against the Chiefs last weekend. Um, 
Patriots are back, and I've never was sold on them being away. But for some people that maybe they thought they were gone, they are officially back. Um, holy shit. The way that offense is now going to be able to run with Tom Brady at quarterback, Sony Michelle providing a competent running game, James White out of the backfield catching the ball, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL and someone that Tom Brady has been ranting and raving about. He put him on his fucking Instagram, for God's sakes, and saying and said, I forget what he said, but was full endorsement of Josh Gordon. Rob Gronkowski, that defense, though, still a little questionable. Um, That is where things are going to be interesting later down on the line in the season is if the Patriots can't get their defense fixed and a little bit more uh, bend and not break, then I think if they can handle that, Patriots back in the Super Bowl, yeah. But if they can't and that defense remains sketchy all year, then teams like the Chiefs, teams like the Steelers, other teams like that will have a chance to end up beating them. On the other side, the Bears, very good team, went down to Miami last week, though, and lost to Brock Osweiler. Yeah, that guy, Brock Osweiler. Um, Disappointing. Cleo Mack has been getting his ankle looked at a little bit. Okay. I don't think if you're a Bears fan, you go into this thinking we're going to beat the Patriots. So, and as a Bears, if you were a coach there, if Cleo Mack has any sort of questions about should he play or not, no. Don't play him this week. Just don't. I... I'm not saying that you can't beat the Patriots, but realistically, I don't think you do. Do not risk injuring your franchise player. Khalil Mack is that team's franchise player. Don't risk injuring him further than what he already is. Sit him. It's fine. It's not an NFC game. It's not going to affect your playoff standings, anything like that. It's not in division or anything like that. I think the Patriots win this one. I think Mitch Trubisky, though, and... um, does have a good game. Jordan Howard, though, the running back for the Bears, his usage has gone down. Uh, Tariq Cohens has gone up. That's something to keep in mind, just the way that that offense is going and being used more passing. Um, Allen Robinson has come over from the Jaguars and been uh, Trubisky's favorite target and been an exceptional receiver this entire year. But the Patriots, I like them in this game a lot over the Bears. Then the final game that I'm going to talk about, it's hard for me not to bring it up. I can't believe I waited this long into the show to bring it up, but the Bengals are going to the Chiefs. The Bengals coming off another heartbreaking loss. That's seven games in a row. Let's count them with me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games against the Pittsburgh Steelers that the Cincinnati Bengals have lost. Seven in a row. And this one, I've been to the last three games in Cincinnati. I love going up there for that game. Talk so much shit, get in so many just petty bullshit fights. Um, Shout out to my dad for getting me tickets this weekend to go. Um, had an amazing time. Was sort of nervous. And then once um, the Bengals scored their last-minute touchdown, and then I looked at it, and 
Big Ben had over a minute, had three timeouts, only needed a field goal. We had Boswell back there that has sort of shitty on the year. It's kind of sketchy, kind of shaky. But uh, Ben took that out of his foot, uh, took the game off his foot and said, nah, Antonio Brown's just going to score a touchdown here and we're going to win it. And they did, 28-21, scored with 10 seconds left. It was an amazing game, loved being there. Um Steelers on bye this week. Um, questions with, is Le'Veon Bell going to show up? Not showing up this week, so Le'Veon Bell show up watch starts next week. And if I saw a graphic today, um, if you look at the start uh, through seven through six games so far this year, uh, James Conner has just about the same stats that Le'Veon Bell had last year uh, through six games. Um, Connor had some better stats and some Bell had some better stats than the other, but uh, if de facto, pretty much about the same. So Le'Veon Bell thought to be this great uh, game impact changer, but James Connor is doing just fine. I'm happy with either of the guys. I understand. Like I've stated this before. I don't dislike Le'Veon Bell. I still love him as a player. I totally understand why he's doing what he's doing. He should have been paid. He should have already been signed by the Steelers instead of getting franchise tagged like he did. But James Conner, no slouch either, uh, regardless of whatever his hairstyle looks like. But the Bengals go to the Chiefs. This game got bumped to Sunday night. Um, The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes coming off their first loss of the year last week to the New England Patriots. Patrick Mahomes struggled in the first half, but in that second half came out and looked like the Patrick Mahomes that we all know and some of us love. Mahomes this year so far, 1,865 yards, 18 touchdowns, and four interceptions. And then Tyreek Hill, 567 yards and six touchdowns, and Kareem Hunt only on 130. Three carries, 456 yards, and four touchdowns. I like the Chiefs in this one. It's going to be an extremely high-scoring game. Mm, I take that back. I don't like the Chiefs in this one. I like the Bengals in this one because the Bengals' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense, and the Bengals' defense is going to show up, and I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe... um, uh, I hate to say this. I think maybe Vontez Perfect has a big play late in the game against Mahomes or somebody, and Perfect gets his head out of his ass, doesn't get a penalty, not a roughing the passer, anything like that. Makes a good, smart football play, and the Bengals get a huge win on Sunday night against the Chiefs. Now, I said at the start we would talk about baseball and basketball. I'm going to talk about baseball first. Right now, as I'm recording this, the Brewers and the Dodgers are tied in the top of the ninth. Um, The game is in L.A. Milwaukee is up 2-1 on the the series. Um, Earlier in the night, the Red Sox beat the Astros to take the series lead in that one, 2-1. So, looking ahead to tomorrow... The starting pitchers for the Red Sox and the Astros. You got Rick Porcello going against Charlie Morton. Uh, Morton, no stats to look on. Um, I like the Astros in this series. Just because I think they have 
better, deeper pitching than the Red Sox. And while I do think the Red Sox offense is a tad better than the Astros, I think in October, and I think you ask any baseball analysis, it comes down to pitching and situational, things like that. And I think the Astros just have that working for them. Now, on the other side in the NL, I'm going to tell you a little fun life story. And strap in here. It's not very long, but it's just something. One night when I was um, out at the bar drinking two years ago, someone asked me, um, hey, well, like, what's your life plan? What are, what are you going to do after school? And I had no idea. None. Still, eh, some ideas. But I distinctively remember saying, I'm going to live in Milwaukee. Um, no idea why at all, but I do remember saying that. So subconsciously, I think I need to move to Milwaukee. And this whole run for the Brewers this postseason has really reaffirmed that for me. So before it was, it wasn't a pipe dream. It was sort of me just saying things like, uh, yeah, maybe Milwaukee, whatever. I am making a pledge to you if you are listening, and please, dear God, hold me to this. If the Brewers win the World Series, I'm living in Milwaukee for at least two years. So that's my holding myself accountable by giving that information to you all to in turn hold me accountable for. So we're going to help each other out. With that being said, I really want the Brewers to win it all. Um, Not because I want to live in Milwaukee, but just because I think that would be a great story. I like... It's hard for me to say because right now the game game 4 is still in the top of the ninth and it's 1-1. I think that the Dodgers are going to pull it out in this one and even the series at 2-2. And then if we look at the pitchers for tomorrow's matchup, you have Clayton Kershaw against uh, Wade Miley. Clayton Kershaw, hell of a pitcher, but playoff pitching Clayton Kershaw has been up and down. And, oh, I just hit the mic. I apologize if you heard that. Um, Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs has been very questionable at times, very good at times. You just never know what you're going to get. And I just like the Brewers overall in that series. I think the Brewers and the Dodgers go seven. And I think the Astros and the Red Sox go seven. I'm hoping they both go seven because playoff baseball is something amazing to watch. And I love watching it. It's hard to be a fan of baseball and watch baseball when your team's not in it. But playoff baseball kind of is a little bit more bearable. So I'm hoping both these games, both these series go to seven. And I think the Astros, where I have, oh, how perfect would that be? The Astros, where I was born in Houston, fun fact if you didn't know that, go up against possibly my future city where I'm going to live, the Milwaukee Brewers. That's, oh. I didn't even come into this thinking that, but gosh, I'm so glad that worked out. We're rooting for an Astros Brewers World Series. That's my prediction right there. All right, that is going to pretty much do it for baseball talk until 
the World Series actually gets here. Um, I'm going to push back the NBA talk. I want to do a full question, uh, preview, picks, everything like that next week. Um, it, we're only going to miss the first week of the season. And barring a insane injury or anything like that, we're not going to know that much about these teams. We're not going to have too many answers on most of these questions. I still stand by it. The Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. But um, that is going to do it for the 39th episode of Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you always. Excuse me. Thank you all always for listening. I truly do appreciate it. I know I tell you all this every episode, but I mean it. Um, I had a bunch of people asking me, when's another episode coming out? When's this? When's that? Why is stuff not coming out? And uh, I explained to them, very understanding. I appreciate you all bearing with me. Um, They're going to be coming out more regularly. I apologize for missing a couple weeks. Um, School first. I stand by that. I will always stand by that. But thank you all. Like, rate, review, subscribe, everything as always on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as we always end here on Carson Sad Podcast, where we talk balls, we will be seeing you.